Welcome to episode number 22 of The Thermal. I'm your host, Harry Tenkate. In this episode of The Thermal, an analysis of the 2020 gliding accidents and incidents in the U.S. What do they have in common and are there any emerging trends? We talk to FAA safety guy and glider pilot Stephen K. Brown. Gliding Club SOS. This month on Gliding Club Confidential, we go to the Aka Gliding Club in Surinam, a small Caribbean club that's fighting for its very survival. And the beauty of soaring at the tip of a paintbrush. We chat with aviation artist Robbie Roberts about his work and his motivation. That's all on episode number 22 of the Thermal Podcast. Gliding is an amazing sport that's nothing but a positive influence for most of us, but gliding can also be dangerous. We do our best to manage the risk, but every year there are crashes and incidents, some of them deadly. Stephen K. Brown is a glider pilot and in his day job runs the FAA safety team out of Boston, Massachusetts. He has recently spent considerable time going through the 2020 fiscal year accident and incident reports for gliders in the U.S., I've reached Stephen at his home in Laconia, New Hampshire. Hello, Stephen. Welcome back to the show. Hello, Harry. How are you doing? It's, it's great to be back. Yeah, thanks. I know, two months in a row, but you've <laughs> got some interesting stuff to talk about. So let, let, let's talk about what you've been looking yeah. into, the, these accident statistics for the fiscal year 2020. What, what have you uh, figured out? Well, it, it's always interesting. Uh, you know, taking a look at it, we had... Some accidents in the United States, uh, that's what I am looking at, is those that uh, the FAA takes a look at in the NTSB. Um, we basically had, if you include the tow pilot accidents in it, we had about 25 total. Uh, we had 13 that were in what I would call pure gliders, uh, eight that were in motor gliders. Uh, two of those eight actually, the NTSB listed as airplanes, although they are certificated as gliders and the pilots were appropriately certificated as glider pilots. Right. And then um, we had four accidents associated with tow planes. Okay. Well, none of, the, none of that sounds very good, but um, what you've looked no. at these things year after year. What is there anything that stands out? I mean, we do see some things, you know, common threads throughout all of this. Um, you know, when you do take a look at, the primary causal factors, that's what one of the terms we use in, within the FA. Most of the accidents are pilot-induced error. Um, you know, that really has an impact on it. You know, we have things like ending up short of the runway, um, gliders getting bent or broken when doing an outlanding. Uh, sometimes, you know, pilots have made the right decisions but in doing an outlanding, uh, at the last moment, they end up finding something hidden in the field or, you know, a fence post that they could see or anything right. like think, that. Think, so sometimes we do end up with... Things that come under shit happens, right? I mean, you do your best yeah, and some, sometimes just shit happens. <laughs> we do have a lot that are associated with loss of control, uh, ending up short of a runway, trying to stretch their glide maybe. Uh, hitting obstacles on the final, um, loss of control on landing due to winds, tailwinds, crosswinds, whatever it may be. And then, you know, we also do have some that are associated with what we call the premature termination of tow. 
uh, whether it's planned in an instructional environment or unplanned, you know, happening for some other reason. And that classic surprise element and need to find a landing place, many times turning back to the runway you just took off from, uh, you know, it's a very high risk endeavor. Yeah. So, so if you, you're a glider pilot yourself, which makes a big difference. So based on your analysis and looking at what happened in this, in the last uh, fiscal year, the 2020, is there anything you're going to do differently yourself as a glider pilot after looking at these accidents? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's, um, that's one of the things I think that's one of the big reasons why I do this. And I, I put so much time and effort into it is I learn what I'm going to do differently. And I learn about things I'm going to teach differently, um, too, you know, and one of the things that I do with it, this is I will talk about takeaways, which are things that I'm gathering out of these accidents above and beyond, you know, and, some of those with it is, you know, how important it is to be prepared and planned for something going wrong on the initial takeoff on the climb out. Um, you know, how important it is to fly the aircraft if you have something go wrong. Uh, you know, we had a very tragic accident associated with a canopy opening this past year, but you look at the history and Soaring Safety Foundation has done this, especially with two place uh, gliders in the canopy opening, how um, dangerous or how much hazard there is associated with that So people, and how people, easy it is to lose control. So the pilots forget to fly the aircraft, right? That's what happens. Yeah, that's, that's one of the big ones, definitely, with it is, you know, flying the aircraft uh, under... Understanding where your dive brakes are, I think, at all times, your spoilers. Uh, you know, we kind of talk about the spoilers coming open on takeoff, but within these accidents and incidents, we see some things, too, where people may open the spoilers some, but are so focused on something, they don't realize they still have them open or think they have them open and have them closed, uh, you know. That's something that I, I've really changed how, just where I have my hands in the takeoff roll in my own personal glider, um, you know. So where do you have your that hands? Has evolved a few times. Uh, I have an older LS one C D. What I end up doing is actually with my knuckles, I keep the dive brake, my knuckles on my left hand right up against my dive brake, and basically my two fingers. Um, inside fingers are hanging down right by the release, not wrapped around the release because I don't want to inadvertently release if I hit some turbulence or something like that, but so that there's so little time for me to just slip my hand down and pull that release if I have to. And, you know, my knuckles on that until I'm at my safe altitude are up against that dive brake control of my left hand because I got really nothing else to do with it. <laughs> so that's more muscle memory as well, right? It is. It is. It, it definitely does help, you know, and I can't emphasize enough. Like on, we talk about these premature termination of toe events, but planning them, reviewing what is your safe altitude? You know, you probably hear a lot 
throughout the country and maybe even throughout the world, you know, people saying, well, you can turn back at 200 feet. Well, that's not always the case. Uh, you know, depending upon the terrain around you, what's going on or whatever. And then there's the challenges too of that, what I would call that odd altitude where, yeah, it's going to be challenging to do a turn back and land on the remaining round. Right? And also it might be challenging to do a shortened pattern uh, to land in the same direction. You know, that's you're caught in that middle of what is the best option here. And if you have really thought that out and pre-planned it for the day's conditions in the airport you're at, glider port, I think we'd see an improvement. I think we'd have uh, more pats on the back for pilots that encountered something a bit challenging and less, um, you know, broken gliders. So that's what you saw in 2020 people that weren't both instructors pulling the plug too early or a critical rope break happens and people not having thought through ahead of time what they're going to do. Is that, is that what your takeaway? That's, that's one of the takeaways. I mean, there, there's so many of them. Uh, really one of the really big ones that have come up in the last year or two in seeing this trend here significantly again is two factors with, moving into a new glider is if you move into a new glider, I would strongly encourage you to get a good 25 hours in it right close to your home airport um, to really start to learn about how it flies, how it behaves in the wind, you know, what your performance of that glider is, is we have so many people that end up, you know, bending gliders that have, you know, 10, 15 hours in it, if that. So people are um, getting in over their heads. I, that, that might be a way to word it. I think it takes time to wrap your mind around it as a pilot moving into a new glider. So that's something I would encourage from what I've been seeing is get more time in your new glider close to home. Now, are there any accidents that stand out for you because of their complexity that you looked at? Uh, there, there definitely are some actually this year too. One of the things that is, uh, interesting to me is some of the things we have not done, um, because of COVID in terms of accident investigations is, um, you know, both the NTSB, especially, but the FAA too has not gone out to as many accidents as they typically would i guess is the way to describe it right that has an impact you know we we have a tow plane accident that um you know a fairly new tow pilot i think he was trying to do the right thing you know he ended up he got into a field that he was concerned about whether he'd be able to fly out of it or whatever and he called his mentor to basically discuss it with them and they kind of came up with a plan but on the takeoff he ended up finding a guy wire on a nearby telephone pole and it, it ended up destroying the aircraft thing he was okay which is great but you know here's somebody that's not in the best situation appears to do what you want them to do in order to make the appropriate decision right and and the outcome on it is just not Good. Well, it sounds like he's lucky to be alive because I know there's a lot of pressure on these young tow plane pilots to, to get uh, to get things done. And uh, yeah, I'm glad he's alive. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it is. It, it's just, it's interesting all the way around. I, that's one of the things that I really have found out about this is I started digging in uh, above and beyond what the NTSB does. And I take some of my own experience. I take being a glider instructor, um, you know, I'm able to dig in much deeper and look at certification backgrounds, uh, how long how long ago the pilot purchased the aircraft, things like that, that not everybody may be able to do. And right. it, it really is interesting uh, when you do you take a look at it. Now, are the, the number of fatalities trending down, up, remaining the same? What's, uh, what's your take on that? We ended up having what it looks like nine accidents out of the 25, and that's the 13 pure gliders, the eight motor gliders, and the four coplanes. You know, we ended up having nine accidents that were fatal. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the tow plane ones had two fatalities in it, uh, which is horrible. Was that that accident in Hawaii? Yes, yes. The number of accidents we're looking at every year are basically trending down. We had just about the same number of uh, fatal accidents in gliders specifically, uh, not including the tow planes. Uh, this year as we did the previous year. Um, but it is interesting. You know, I, I pulled up some statistics using some of the same number techniques from our general aviation survey. And we're looking at, you know, in gliders, we're probably in that neighborhood of about four to five times the number of accidents per 100 hours, 100,000 hours flown as fixed wing general aviation. Huh. And then our fatality rate ends up being about the same as the regular accident rate for all of fixed wing general aviation. Now, granted, that's a lot of airplanes out there, especially here in the U.S. But, you know, we all know that flying gliders is risky, uh, has some hazards with it. You have to really make some good decisions. And you're very much so using the weather uh, and incorporating that into what you're doing, how you're doing, and deciding what you're doing. And, you know, many people have talked about that uh, over time. Well, Stephen, thank you for the good work you're doing in this and trying to make us all a bit safer. So appreciate it very much and uh, fly safe. I will do my best. I will <laughs> do my best. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Harry. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Stephen K. Brown is the FAA Safety Team Manager for Boston. He spoke to me from his home in Laconia, New Hampshire. For a detailed look at what Stephen and his team have figured out, go to the Boston FAAS Team YouTube channel. That's the Boston FAAS Team YouTube channel. podcast is proud to promote Proving Grounds, an automated task scoring platform designed to safely turn novice glider pilots into cross-country soaring pilots. Proving Grounds is now in use in Canada, Europe, and the United States. And the Soaring Society of America now joins the Soaring Association of Canada by providing support for gliding clubs who want to implement this fabulous cross-country motivational tool. Check out episode 15 of The Thermal, where co-founder Patrick McMahon talks about Proving Grounds and how it works. For more information, go to their website, which is soaringtasks, all one word, dot com. That's soaringtasks.com. 
Proving Grounds is especially a hit among novice pilots who want to learn how to safely fly beyond gliding distances of the club. Pull out your atlas or just load Google Earth and look for the small South American nation of Suriname. This former Dutch colony is on the northeast coast of the continent and it has one small gliding club. Actually, the only gliding club in the Caribbean, if I'm not mistaken. But the Surinamse Gliding Club, Aka 95, is fighting for its very survival. The nation is struggling economically and COVID has only made things worse. Club members have launched a GoFundMe campaign to keep the club from going under. Joel Yakult is the club chairman, and I've reached him in Parimaribo, Suriname. Hello, Joel. Nice to speak with you. Hey, Harry. Nice to speak with you also. Glad we can chat. Yeah. Now, before we get into the GoFundMe campaign, tell me a a bit about your club. How many gliders, what type, and where do you fly? Yeah. So, our club is uh, a Swiftlicht Club uh, AK95. We have four gliders. Two two seaters uh, and uh, two single pilot uh, single seaters. Okay. Uh, so in total we have four. And what are we, they? We fly with very uh, old gliders. Uh, it's it they are the German type, the K K seven K A seven and the K A eight. Okay. You know those? Yeah, yeah, they're nice gliders. There's nothing wrong with them. Yes, they're an older generation, but hey, it's a glider. Yeah, so we use the K7 for uh, our instructor and passenger flights. Okay. We have uh, two at the moment and uh, also two other uh, K8 uh, single-seaters for the solo pilots, you know. Nice. And how big is your club? How many members? So the last time we had an amount of 20 20, uh, active members. uh, members yeah and uh yeah due to the crisis and ev- and how everything went right now we we sure need to reevaluate how much of those are still active right but in that magnitude 20 members the last time we were very active okay and now and aerotoe winching what do you guys do there and where do you fly out of okay we winch and uh, we first flew out of uh, our international airport at Sandere. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, it's near the capital city, Perimaribo, I imagine. Uh, a little bit, a little bit to the south. Um, it's uh, in a different uh, district. It's in uh, district Para. Okay. So that was where our base was uh, was settled. But then we were required to move because they were fixing up the airport, uh, you know, rehabilitation, rehabilitating the, in the run- runway. Okay. So we had to move. And then we moved to a, a airstrip in Saramaka. And, and, uh, that, and that was, a, a, a how do you call it, like a Sky Farmers airstrip. Oh, okay, yeah, Saramaka. just a dirt strip or something. Yeah, a grass strip. And that's where you're based out of now? Uh, that's where we were last based. We had some, the country suffered from some uh, issues with uh, narcotics being, because it's a very, it's a very, a little bit remote airstrip. Mm-hmm. Not that remote, but a little bit remote. And the past, the past two years, uh, we were having um, uh, some, some violations, not we, but you know, 
with uh, illegal drug trafficking, with uh, planes who fly under the radar. They use, they target those airfields to, um, you know, sure uh, pick up and deliver drugs. Off. Yes, so it was it, it became very um, very dangerous. So the owner of the field, he didn't want it to take risks, so he shut down the field. He noticed us. He we discussed. So um, that was also one of the biggest setbacks uh, in in the club because at that time we were at our our peak of uh, of, of activities, and uh, then that club got shut down. So then it it, it actually. Yeah, it answers the question why everything Anna went into the spin-off. But then we started to uh, evaluate our options to go back to uh, Sandere, where we were first base. Okay. And we approached them again. It was a, a tedious process because uh, you're dealing with uh, the government. So now we have our clearance to go back uh, at that base. So I would say that that will be our base for the coming yeah, in the coming years. So right now your club isn't operational, right? No, right now, um, in this, in the sense of flying, no, we have some uh, a few things we need to have in place before we can be back uh, in the air. So but the club, as it is, we're still the, the members are still uh, are still in touch. So this is where this GoFundMe campaign comes in for the gliding club. Talk to me about. The club and what you guys actually need the money for so your expenses keep going up and uh, you cannot uh, that was the problem and then uh, COVID uh, of course hit where which delayed all, all our our, our uh, efforts to get very quickly back to Sandere and uh, Sandere is also um, they have a fee from which we need to which we need to comply with mm -hmm. so all those things led that our our resources got drained because uh, uh, one of the major factors was um, the insurance keeping the airplanes airworthy because we, we were still trying to you know uh, get our uh, CFA you know what the CFA is you know the we call it CFA you guys, C certificate you guys of airworthiness Yes, it's just the acronym. Yeah. So we were still trying to certify our air, our aircraft just to, yeah, you keep know, them airworthy, the yeah. keep them airworthy. So our expenses got drained. And then for now, to start up again, um, you know, the members, you cannot, you, you cannot guarantee them like, hey, uh, start paying or, you know, the normal way of getting income like uh, all the other glider glider clubs do. So that's our main bottleneck, and uh, that's why we really need the GoFundMe page to get started. So where are you in the GoFundMe campaign? How much money do you need, and, and how much have you raised? All right. So at the moment, the money was at 5,000 euros. Um, that can be, and right at the moment right now, we have 1,200 euros. Uh, it's it, it's still changing, but uh, that was the the last time I checked. So you've got 1,200 out of the 5,000 euros that you roughly need to get back in business. Yes, yes. That's not bad. No, that's not bad. That's not bad. Now, I, not bad. I understand some of the money you also need because you're the only instructor and you were telling me earlier that you're not certified and you need somebody from Holland to come over and work with you guys and certify you again, right? 
Yes. So as you know, with aviation, every license you get, it gets, it's going to expire. And uh, in Suriname, there is no, there, there is no system set up uh, with, 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 with a lot of instructors in specifically in glider, mm-hmm. we have instructors in other types of aircraft, but in gliders, there's no, it's not, there's not a community. So I'm the only one. So when I got my glider pilot license, it expires after two years, you know, and we didn't flew longer than two years. So right. at the moment, there's nobody in Suriname to, uh, to get me, to get me that check ride again. So just, do these instructors, do they have to be Dutch or can you have a Dutch, because Dutch is the main language in Suriname. Could you get a Dutch instructor from Canada to come down for a week and certify you guys? Or does it have to be a Dutch guy? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't have to be a Dutch guy. The thing is, these Dutch guys, they were voluntarily coming to Suriname on their own expenses because they saw how they saw how uh, determined the team was, even though we didn't have all the resources they saw how how we work you know the team spirit was there so in the in the beginning like the like when we uh were starting to grow they were coming on their own expenses you mm-hmm. know just like they're right. visiting Suriname and uh almost 80% of their time they they spending with us so that's where the relationship started with these with these dutch instructors so and they were always willing to come uh, free of charge. So um, that's that they 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 were very willing to come. So that's why we built that relationship with them. But it's not particularly that we need a Dutch instructor because uh, in Suriname, all everything we do in the aviation is 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 based out of a, a English uh, baseline. Every books we read. So right. The language is not that much is is not is not that much of the of a problem. It's just that they are very willing to come. Well, I'm going to put a link to your GoFundMe campaign up on my Facebook uh, site, and I will also put some information in there where people can find you on the GoFundMe uh, page. I I wish you all the luck in the world. I hope this all comes together, and uh, it's been very nice speaking to you, Joel. Thank you, Harry. I hope I I really hope that we can. Um, link up with each other because I want to the, the community around Glider in Suriname we're very we're, we're on our own but we want to share a lot of what we're seeing here the, the type of Glider flying we have here it's very different in in, in, in the other places in the world and we hope that uh, people come to visit you know and uh, we can talk build a community around all this you know yeah. So be, before I let you go, go, you mentioned it's quite different. I mean, you're a tropical nation. What are the flying conditions like? Where we are flying in the at the Sandre Airport, we have the we have a type of sand there. It's a white sand. They call it savanna sand in our our language, and it's white and it's it gets very it 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 it, uh, it stimulates the how do you call it the heat transfer from the sun to the air. So there we have. A very good thermal development. You can we have flights from one to two hours long, and but uh, there where we fly, you can get very good thermal activity, uh, making up to flights to two hours. And it's, and it's just it, whether you're in Canada, or Holland, or Suriname, it's all about the fun of gliding, right? It's all about the fun. But I always tell people like. 
when you're up there very quiet and no engine, no fuel, and you're seeing your your variometer just going <laughs> one, two meters per second up, I mean, that is a feeling that, I don't know, I, I, I smile right now and I'm just thinking about it. I can it. smile too and I totally relate. Yeah. Joel, listen, again, lovely speaking with you. I wish you all the luck and uh, I'll put the link on the uh, webpage as well. All right, Harry. Thank you very much for the support, and I really hope we can uh, we can uh, build a community after this. Also, good luck, man. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Joel Yakult spoke to me from Parimaribo, Suriname. If you want to help this club survive, go to the GoFundMe.com page and search for Gliding Club Aka. I will also put up the link on the Thermals Facebook page. That's Gliding Club Aka on the GoFundMe.com page. And now a word about our sponsor, SkySight. This weather app was designed with glider pilots in mind. If you want to learn more, listen to SkySight's founder, Matthew Scudder, on episode number 7. SkySight is easy to use and has great functionality. And it's great for predicting convergence lines and task planning. For listeners of The Thermal who are interested in trying out SkySight to maximize their cross-country flying or just figure out if it's worth the drive to the gliding club, use the voucher promo code THERMAL in capital letters and you'll get a 14-day free trial. I recently came across an online exhibition of aviation paintings put on by the United Kingdom's Guild of Aviation Artists. Naturally, I went looking for paintings of gliders and found one in particular that was spectacular. The light was gorgeous, the cloudscape breathtaking. It just made me want to be in the cockpit of that particular glider. I managed to track down artist and glider pilot Robbie Robertson at his home in ross on wye Wales. Hello, Robbie. Hi, Harry. How are you? I'm well, thanks. So I, I saw this beautiful painting of a red vintage glider. I think it was a T-21 with an amazing cloud backdrop. Yeah, I know the one. That's it. I know I know that painting. Yeah, I love that. So what's the story behind the painting? Well, um, basically that uh, Slingsby T-21, uh, I, I own that. It was an open cockpit, all wooden canvas, built in, uh, let's see, about 1947. Um, it used to be a syndicate of 28 people, but... Uh, in the end, I own outright now, and it's kept already rigged, ready to fly in a hangar at the the Black Mountains Gliding Club, which is in the mountains in South Wales. It's in Telgarth? That's Telgarth, that's right, yeah. Yeah, beautiful place. I got to fly there maybe something like 30 years oh, really? ago when I was uh, flying, uh, living in the UK. It was absolutely gorgeous. It's a nice place. It's developed a little bit there, a little bit bigger, but it's still small and the hills are still the same and the thermals are the same and the wave is there so yes i love it it's a nice little club it's only about a, an hour's drive from my home so i can get down there uh, quite a lot what was the inspiration for that particular painting yeah. with the t21 was it a flight you had how, how did it come about well it's a little a little bit of a cheat because whenever i i fly on AS, asw20 and the thing and the t21 although not at the same time of course <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've always been keen on photography and I always, always, always carry a camera with me when I fly. And I was flying probably a couple of years back and um, it was a convergence uh, that was happening about a few miles from the gliding club and the lighting and the clouds were quite phenomenal. So I ran off lots of 
uh, video footage of that of those clouds and that that um, convergence. And basically, I used them as a background, and then put in uh, Snoopy, which is the name of my T21, just superimposed on top. And uh, it seems to have come out. Uh, uh, well, I'm quite pleased with it. Yeah. So the combination of the background photographs the clouds by me and uh, another photograph of Snoopy um, popped on top. Well, it's a fantastic painting, especially the way you've used the uh, the light with the clouds. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Light and clouds. Mm. Yeah. I'm, so, a, I'm a bit of a cloud freak, I'm afraid. Well, I think we all are, but I think you've got the extra talent of being yeah, able yeah. to turn that beauty into, into art. It took a fair bit of time, but it's something I love doing. I've used that... Um, I've actually used the same uh, cloud background, slightly modified, for a couple of other paintings that I'm working on now. How did you get into aviation painting? I don't know, really. I mean, I've, I've been gliding for 50 years, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, I never did much painting or drawing at all. Uh, I retired as an engineer, and I retired probably 10, 12 years ago, and I thought, why not? take up painting and uh, I started in watercolours which I found very tricky very very hard to do and my tutor said throw that stuff in the bin and get some oil paints and then on I just I've got thousands of photographs of gliding and clouds and things and oil paints so I've got unlimited uh, unlimited raw material of my own. Now on your gallery your online gallery I saw another painting that I really like it's got two things that are close to my heart, a dog and a glider. <laughs> yeah, there's a story to that. That is actually a photograph of me and my and my old old dog, if you like. Okay. Um, I think there's a photograph on the website. It was taken by a friend of mine. We went up out walking one day, and another one of my friends was flying the the club K13, and he recognised me. Ah, from so we the spent air. half an hour doing low-level flybys. Uh, perfectly safe. We knew each other. Uh, it was great. And uh, I think fairly recently I've just done a, a painting based on that photograph. It, it's a lovely shot with you standing there with, with your dog and then the glider sort of coming towards you. Yeah, it's a very, as my wife said, it captures everything I, I like. I love walking. <laughs> I love going up mountains. I love gliders and I love dogs. She says that's pretty well you with everything. So that that, <laughs> that one's going to hang on the living room wall for a while, I guess. That's exactly where it is at this moment. Yeah. Oh, that's that's, a, that's got a not for sale sign on it. <laughs> Do you think because you're a pilot, it allows you to capture the essence of flight better than others? Well, it's hard to say, but I think you can only paint. I mean, you can, if, if you just paint something like a scene, that's fine. But I think if you're passionate over something and have maybe been involved in it, like gliding for many, many years, you get a, you get a sort of feel for it when the light's right and when the atmosphere's right. So I'm sure being a, a glider pilot sort of inspires me. I, I do a lot of non-gliding paintings as well, but uh, I always come back to painting clouds and gliders. So uh, I think it's... Yeah, I think you're right. Um, uh, yeah, being being passionate about gliding certainly helps thing, things along. Now, I first saw that painting of your, your red 21 against that beautiful cloud background on something called, I think, the Guild of Aviation Artists. 
That's right. Um, I it's called the Guild of Aviation Artists. It's um, I think it's UK only, but I joined that probably about three or four years ago, and it just basically consists of people with a passion for aviation. Uh, some paint fantastically good paintings, and some have a let's just say. A, a fair way to go, but they enjoy it. <laughs> right, right. And we meet up around the UK at various venues, maybe aviation museums, um, um, galleries, airfields, and we all meet up maybe once a month and we sit outside or inside with our easels and our sketch pad and we sketch and sketch away all day and then meet up for of tea and buns at three o'clock in the afternoon and tell each other how good we are or how bad our paintings are. <laughs> um, I think it's fair to say it's quite a mature group, but they're a great crowd of guys and we all love ending to do the airplane, so we meet up. And then uh, once every year they have a large um, exhibition at the Mall Gallery in central London. Uh, unfortunately, the last two years it's been a virtual show, so it's not working too well at the moment. Yeah, damn the idea COVID. is members can uh, submit, uh, uh, submit two or three paintings and they're viewed by um, a committee of um, powerful and intelligent men who either accept it for the show or reject it. So once you had a certain number of paintings, then you become an associate member. And as a bonus, uh, quite often you're able to sell the paintings as well. So it's a great show. Now you take commissions as well, I understand. I do the odd one. I've just I've just finished a couple. I've done one of um a, a libel flying up in North England. Uh, the guy said he wanted it in wave, and he sent me half a dozen photographs that he had taken of the wave clouds, and another few photographs of his own glider. So by basically looking at the light and the way everything did. I put them all together and uh, produced them a commission. I've also just finished one last week of a of a K, an old K6CR above the guy's home airfield. Yeah, I quite enjoy doing them, but not too many. <laughs> right, because you need to have time to go flying yourself. Exactly, and painting, you know, painting other things. So, yeah, Robbie, the li many listeners are now going to think to themselves, "I've got to go look at these paintings." What's the best place? to go for people to look on the web for your paintings? I have my own website. Um, it's fairly up to date. It was put together by my son, uh, who's a much more computer literate than me. <laughs> it's called, the website address is www.theartofsoaring.net. Okay. And I see on there, there's all, there's, um, aviation paintings, uh, there's also non-aviation paintings, there's uh, set a lot of my gliding photographs and a lot of gliding videos I've made and fairly recently I'm trying to actually become a bit of a poet. So I'm actually taking my own videos, uh, writing my own poetry and trying to um, put them all together, which is some, I've a lot to learn on that, but uh, there's a couple on there and it's a lot of good fun. But as I said, it's www.theartofsoaring.net and there's a contact form on there so people can contact me if they want.
Well, I'll well, I'll uh, go have a look at your YouTube video. I mean, uh, your 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 country has a a long history of famous poets, so we'll see what it looks like. <laughs> Thank you. Robbie, it's been a, a real pleasure speaking to you. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of your art online. Safe flying. We'll get COVID behind us and uh, look forward to chatting with you again at some point. Thanks, Harry. That was absolutely great. Lovely to talk to you. you and too. a happy soaring for 2021. Thank you very much. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Robbie Robertson, glider pilot and artist, spoke to me from ross on Wye, Wales. After the interview, Robbie dropped me a note to let me know that they're flying again in Wales, in wave, and up to 9,000 feet. Very nice indeed. To see more of Robbie's artwork, go to theartofsoaring.net. That's theartofsoaring.net. That's it for episode number 22 of The Thermal. I will be back again in May with another show that will include a chat with glider pilots who are also commercial pilots and their struggles to make a living under COVID. I can be reached at the Thermal Podcast, all one word at gmail.com. That's the Thermal Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for centering the Thermal Podcast. See you next time. I'm Harry Tenkate and fly safe.